program may contain mature subject matter. Discretion is advised. All right. Another year has come and gone. 2021 has finally come to an end. You know, the weird thing is it seemed almost anticlimactic for me. Um, I mean, yes. Okay, I know. Let, let's talk about something for a minute here. Very sad news. At the very tail end of the year, Betty White passed away. Yes, I know. Uh, before anything, before anything else, I need to say this. Betty White left us a full legacy and a life of joy and laughter behind for all of us to remember her by. And that's awesome. Truly a legend has passed. And I totally want to acknowledge that. But here's my thing. Okay, so, <laughs> so she passes away at the end of 2021 and... I, I unfortunately, when it was first reported, I was asleep. I didn't even know it had happened. I woke up, and of course, I do the thing that everybody does in this world. We check our social media, and I see everybody blaming 2021 for her death. Oh, of course, this year has to kick us in the nuts one more time, blah, 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 blah. And the thing is, is I, right away, I thought to myself, I thought, well, what would happen if she had passed away on January 1st? So would we then say, oh, look at 2022 starting off on the wrong foot and book this year, book 2022. And it just, my whole thing is, and I'm not, and obviously like, like everybody else, I mean, Betty White was an amazing actress. She did a lot of great for the world. She made people very happy and stuff. It was a loss. I'm not saying that. And I'm not trying to be insensitive, but the thing is, is that the human race really needs to stop blaming the year for when people die like death sad as it is but death is just as much a part of life as life is a part of life and it's going to happen I, I and I know everybody's like oh you're such a cruel person talking about how death is a part of life but it is unfortunately none of us are gonna be able to escape this there's no such thing as immortality. Immortality comes from the legacy you leave behind. Betty White will be immortal through her legacy but unfortunately, she did pass away at 99 years old. Fuck. I'm, I'm here at 46 going, if I'm still alive at 50, I'm doing good. Because <laughs> there's days my health is like, bleh. So, I, I don't know. And the other thing I want to point out is this. Okay, yes. Yeah, so 2021 is over. And, oh, it was so doom and gloom. Worst year ever. Can I also point out that for some people, it wasn't the worst year like ever? Okay, yes, I know. 
Let's get it out of the way now. The cough, cough, and the jab, jab got everyone down. You know, whether you were on one side of the argument or the other, I get it. Okay, fine. And, oh, no, lockdowns. I can't hug the people that I never hugged before, but I want to hug them now. Yes, okay, we know. Okay, but here's the thing. This is the way I approach 2021, okay? How about all the good things that happened? Because there was a lot of good that happened. Um, How many people do you know? that work for jobs got promotions at their jobs. It did happen. Did you know that? Like, people got promoted. People, they got better jobs. Some people left their old job and went to a better job. I mean, that happened. How many of us know people who brought babies into this world? I mean, there was a lot of people, okay, as much as I say, yeah, what did you do during lockdown? Well, I watched movies where I fucked my partner. Um, But the thing is, is <laughs> I, I know, I'm thinking of the friends that I know, like, good handful of them all have newborn babies in their lives that's a good thing for them for some of them that's like the best thing that they've ever done with their life new pets how many people do you know got like a new dog or a new cat or you know a guinea pig a rabbit bearded dragon whatever animal companion they felt best suited them they 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 went out and they got that and then look at the entertainment world we got how many great music releases movies so many movies to talk about I I can't, you know, of all the episodes for the podcast that I did last year, how many times did I open up with, oh, I watched this movie that just came out this week. There were movies coming out all the time. Um, Video games, there was a lot of video games that came out for people that are into that. For those of us who are hobbyists or collectors, I mean, maybe we finally got our hands on something we longed for our whole lives or... You know, vinyl records, vinyl has made such a comeback. I mean, and I love it. I'm in my glories right now. (laughs) Almost every record or every album that comes out, I know I can get on vinyl and it's going to look beautiful, whether it be blue, green, red, black, it doesn't matter. So the whole thing is, is what I'm trying to say is, yes, not everyone had a great year, but not everyone had a bad one either. And if you really want to, in regards to this podcast, Last year, 2021, was the best year I've had as a podcaster ever. And I've been doing this for over five years now. And I can honestly say that this past year was the best year I have had as a podcaster. That is awesome for me. So 2021, yes. Oh, it's over. It's done with. You suck. Goodbye. Don't come back. Okay, yeah, we've heard all that before. But I'd also like to say that for those of us who had a good year, hey, man. Looking forward to 2022, if you actually give a shit. I mean, I think I had one person say, you know, Happy New Year to me. And I was like, yeah, happy next day. Like, I mean, because honestly, nothing changes. But on that note, from the Next Level Network of Podcasts and Studio Zero, it is my pleasure to welcome you back for the first show of the new year. Will you take the blue pill or the red pill? Or no pills. It's your choice. On What Lurks Lurks Behind behind Podcast Podcast Zero. Zero. And I am your host, Postmortem Paul. And this week, it's it's time to start the year off on the right foot. As I stumble my words, but whatever. Uh, Let's talk about one of the most divisive films to conclude 2021. Off with a bullet time kind of a bang. Yeah, because choice is an illusion with, uh, apparently, The Matrix Resurrections. Um, Yeah, that's what I'm starting off with this year. That is episode 115, but before that, I am going to talk about one thing. Well, actually, two things. First off, I want to say, for those of you who all had a great holiday, I'd like to thank you for returning to this show. For those of you who didn't have a great holiday, welcome back to the show. (laughs) But, um... No, uh, I hope everybody had a great holiday, honestly. I hope uh, I hope everybody was able to do what they wanted to do. Or, you know, maybe you got that one gift that, like, you've just been wanting for so long. I know I got a few really cool gifts. Um, so I, I was, you know, and I got to spend time with my family and whatnot. So I was pretty happy about that. Um, I want to thank all newcomers to the show. Uh, for those of you who have been with the show for, you know, since its beginning, and those of you who are new, welcome back. And again, thank you for finding the show and letting me obnoxiously entertain you. <laughs> because that's what this show is all about entertainment, nothing more. Um, but I do want to talk about something obnoxious. Um, you're like, oh, 
fuck again. Uh, but <laughs> not horror related, but something I quickly want to put out there into the ether, uh, Cobra Kai. So that released December 31st, and that's season four I'm talking about. Season four of Cobra Kai made its way to Netflix, and I'll say this, I didn't hate it. Matter of fact, uh, quite enjoyed a good portion of it. But man, okay, so something I'm going to put out there, I know, I've seen a lot of people saying this was the greatest season ever, and this was awesome, and I loved it, and I'm, don't get me wrong, I, everyone's free to their opinions, right? And if you guys loved it, that's, that's awesome, that's great, but man, I gotta say one thing about this show, some of the characters on this show, for this season, were so hard to like, the constant arguing bickering blaming dick measuring and overacted anger and hatred towards each other i spent the first eight episodes going you know there's this definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results for eight episodes that goes on and it's like oh i mean aside from johnny and terry silva and the character of hawk i like hawk Almost everybody else, every time they spoke, I was like, shut up. <laughs> Can we get to the end of this already? But I will say this. Even though those eight episodes were a bit of a, a, a bit of a chore for me to get through, all of it was forgiven when we got episode 9 and 10. What a finish. Okay, I will say, it's predictable. Oh, yeah, I had the ending all figured out before it even happened, except the one twist. There was one twist where I was like, oh, that's fucking clever. I didn't see that coming. But the whole tournament thing, I'll talk about that. No spoilers, but let's just say you can see the ending coming a mile away. It's like, okay, I see exactly what's going to happen here. Um, but that said, it was so much fun to watch. The final two episodes of season four, I was like, you totally made up for all the shit I bitched about the first eight episodes. It's so good. Um, season five has already been confirmed. We know it's coming and whatnot. Uh, I'm hoping the characters will now be a bit more likable. Uh, I'm hoping that we, we get past this teenage angst. I get it. It makes sense. They're teenagers in high school, and teenagers in high schools do a lot of stupid things. But... I'm hoping that, like, lessons have been learned now. You know, like, we move past the anger and all that other stuff. Let's it, let's see where this goes. I mean, there is a very nice twist at the end, and it's now a matter of how are they going to get out of that dilemma and whatnot. So, I mean, it, it, I'll say this. The story itself was solid enough to keep me watching. I never stopped watching. I mean, as a matter of fact, I blitzed the whole ten episodes New Year's Eve morning. I got home from work after an eight-hour shift, and I was dead tired, and I was like, oh, I'll watch one or two of them. I blitzed the whole thing. So, even though it seems like I'm griping about it, at the same time, I'll say it was fun enough that I finished all ten episodes in one sitting. So, <laughs> take that the way you will. But now, how about that movie? How about the one? You know the one I'm talking about. Jesus the one that's had some fans clamoring over how much they appreciate this movie exists and for what it stands for and everything. And then there's others calling it a complete dumpster fire that it doesn't deserve to be pissed on if it catches on fire. Where do you stand on this one? Where do I stand on this one? Um, this is probably where I make some enemies. But <laughs> okay, trailer time out. And then when we return... By the way, it's a long trailer. I'm warning you guys now. So if you need to go to the bathroom or, you know, get something to drink or whatever, now's the time to do it. Not that you guys can't pause and fast forward these things. I know how podcasts work. But anyways, when we return, our shared dead cast experience, the first one of 2022, will expose the truth. The truth on whether I chose the blue pill or the red pill or no pill at all kind of sometimes i'm just that guy who's just like you know what i don't care what this side says or that side says i'm just gonna go my own fucking way <laughs> trailer time out when we return matrix resurrections back in a splat kids we can't see it but we're all trapped inside these strange repeating loops 
Billions of people just living out their lives. Oblivious. But this is the moment for you to show us what is real. I remember this. It's a deja vu. And yet it's obviously all wrong. Maybe this isn't the story we think it is. They taught you good. Made you believe their world was all you deserved. But some part of you knew that was a lie. Some part of you remembered what was real. It's so easy to forget how much noise the Matrix pumps into your head. Something else makes the same kind of noise. War. choice in Neo's life. It's not his to make. She believed in me. It's my turn to believe in her. Part of me feels like I have been waiting my whole life for you. If you want to see Trinity again, fight for her! So I just want to thank everyone yet again for returning for another year of What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero. I'm sure after I do this review, none of you will ever return again. No, I'm kidding. I, I, I'm hoping you come back. But <laughs> anyways, um, this is a movie that, uh, much like most movies these days, has divided the fans. And I thought, you know what, this is a good review to start off the year because I want to put my spin out there into the world of what I got from this film. And I will say this, with The Matrix comes a lot of philosophy and psychology and stuff like that. I'm not going to focus so much on those themes when I do this review, uh, simply for the fact that everybody gets what they do from a film. Um... I know for myself personally, when it comes to the Matrix films, one thing that I've always gotten from them is um, choice. The the ability to have choice or is it an illusion? And that's something that is even highlighted in this film. Um, but that's something that I always got from whether it's fate or you control your own fate and stuff like that. And obviously there's the more obvious themes of like AI versus humanity and machines versus man and stuff. like. That. There's religious tones, obviously, you know, a lot with dealing with like Zion and Neo and stuff. like. That. So, I mean, it all depends on what you get from the film. I don't want to focus so much on that. There's other aspects I want to focus on with this film. So, with all that said, let's just get into the review. So, The Matrix Resurrections, the latest in The Matrix Saga. And keep in mind, this saga goes past just three films. I'll talk about that in a bit. But this specific portion of the story was released December 22nd, 2021 on HBO Max, and it was released in theaters. Directed by Lana Wachowski. Uh, who obviously did the original Matrix films, uh, Speed Racer, Cloud Atlas, Jupiter Ascending, Sense8, um, 
was also a screenplay writer for the movie V for Vendetta, by the way. I thought I would mention that. Now, at the time of the original Matrix films, let's uh, let's just get this out there now. Lana was crea- uh, created, credited as Larry Wachowski. And for those of you who may not know, which I don't know how you wouldn't, but she has since made it public, her transgender life's change and lifestyle and whatnot, and she's now known as Lana. So... Keep in mind, the Matrix films are also about change. They're about approaching change, bringing change. Well, even in her personal life, there was a big change. So, how much of that ties into the film? I know that it's come out recently that, you know, she has said that, you know, the Matrix films were um, also an allegory to transgender lifestyle. I don't know how much I believe that was part of the story in 1999, but you know what? If that's what she's put out there, it's something to obviously consider and look into. Again, like I said, not going to really focus so much on themes with this review, but that is something that's out there. It's something that you can watch these films and be like, okay, do I get that or don't I? Um, The film was also produced by Lana alongside other producers Grant Hill and James McTeague. This is the first of the Matrix films not produced by Joel Silver. Um, so there's that to keep in mind. Keep in mind, this this movie, there's a lot of people who didn't return. And then that's something I'm actually going to focus on in this review. Uh, the film was written by Lana Wachowski, uh, David Mitchell, who also worked on Cloud Atlas and Sense8, and Alexander Hamel who worked on Love Island and Sense8. Uh, as a matter of fact, The Matrix Resurrections had a lot of participation from people involved with that Sense8 TV, TV series. So that, that, that series comes up a lot uh, when looking at this film. Cinematography by Danielle Massasesi. and John Toll. Now, Danielle worked on films like Zombie 5, um, Equilibrium, Gangs of New York, Kingdom of Heaven, and Silent Hill, which is a great film, by the way. And John Toll worked on Legends of the Fall, Braveheart, Thin Red Line, Iron Man 3, and Jupiter Ascending. This is, again, first Matrix film that Bill Pope is not the cinematographer for. So again, another change behind the scenes. Music by Johnny Climick and Tom Tickwer. I think I'm saying his last name right. Now, Johnny has worked on films like Run, Lola, Run, One Hour Photo, Land of the Dead, Cloud Atlas, and Wolf Creek 2. And Tom has worked on films like Run, Lola, Run, Cloud Atlas, and Sense8 TV series. This, again, first Matrix film to not feature Don Davis as the composer for the score. Although we do get glimpses of Don's original score, the score for this film was very different. Um... I mean, it's still a, mu- a, a music score, but you do feel the difference with it. And I think that was intentional. Um, whether or not Don Davis was asked to return or not, I couldn't find anything on that. But the film score, that was one thing with the original trilogy. The film score always stood out. And with this film, I'm going to say right now, it doesn't stand out like it did in the other films. But let's move on to our starring cast. There's a few names here to talk about, so it's best to just get right into it. But how do I want to do this? Do I want to start with the big names first or the big names last? Let's go the big names first. Why not? Because Keanu Reeves. Yeah, Neo returns. Keanu Reeves is back. We all love Keanu, right? (laughs) Except Dracula. No, you know what? I, I... (laughs) I shit on that so much. And he's actually not that horrible. But, I mean, we love Keanu. And who's Keanu? He's been in Bill and Ted's, all three of those films. John Wick, which probably, of all the Keanu, like, franchises that he's been a part of, whether it be Bill and Ted's, Matrix, when I I think the John Wick films are probably my favorite of the bunch. Uh, he was also Johnny Silverhand in Cyberpunk 2077, and I mentioned Dracula. He's been in that. He's been in The Gift. He's been in a lot of stuff. He's done a lot of great stuff. Carrie Ann Moss returned, yes, as Trinity, also known as Tiffany. Um, 
<laughs> it was kind of interesting how the names rhymed. I was like, that was that was kind of clever. But um, yes, and uh, what was it I read? There's some reason why they went with Tiffany, Tiffany and Chad. There's I can't remember what the reason was. But anyways, uh, Carrie Ann Moss was also in movies like Memento, Disturbia. She did voice acting for Mass Effect 2 and 3. She was in Daredevil, Iron Fist, and Jessica Jones, and The Defenders. So part of that whole Netflix uh, Marvel shows that those characters are now starting to show up in other areas that are not Netflix related. So we're happy about that. I wouldn't be surprised if she shows up in a Marvel movie or series eventually. And obviously she was part of the Matrix universe, but she was also part of a movie called Matrix. Sorry, a TV series called Matrix. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah, it was 13 episodes about Stephen Matrix, who was an underworld hitman. And he's killed. So he exists in this realm that's called the city in between. It's a world where he he gets shown all the men and women that he killed while he was alive. And so in order for him to avoid going to hell, he has to sort of become like this guardian angel kind of thing and help others who need it. And she was a part of that. So and that came out, I believe, in 1993, I remember reading. So. Six years before she did The Matrix, she was part of a 13-episode TV series called Matrix. It's kind of interesting. We move on to Morpheus, played by Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, or Abdul-Mateen II, I should say. I, I apologize. I can never say his first name, and it's something that I work on every time when I'm writing his name down. It's like, how do you say his I, I'm an asshole. Anyways, he plays Morpheus. And recently he was in the new Candyman film as Anthony McCoy. He was awesome in that movie, by the way. Uh, He was also in the series The Get Down. He was in Aquaman. He was Black Manta. And he was in Watchmen, the TV series from HBO Max. He's an awesome actor. As much as I butcher his name, he's a fucking awesome actor. And I look forward to shit he's gonna do in the future because every time i've watched him so far i love the shit he does jessica henwick as bugs now jessica i mentioned iron fist and the defenders well she was part of that she was colleen wing Uh, she was also in game of thrones uh she's currently voicing a character by the name of l in Blade Runner Black Lotus, which is a great anime series. I know there's a lot out in the internet that says it's not great. Don't listen to them. Um, There's definitely some callbacks to Blade Runner 2049 in this, and there's some callbacks to Blade Runner in this. Like, it's because it's right in between, right? I think it takes place in, like, 2032. It's right in between the two films, and there's definitely been callbacks to both and it's it's a really good series i know some people don't like this 3d animation thing i i got used to it after star wars was doing it with clone wars and rebels and whatnot so when i see it now like even ghost in the shell 24 it was it 2045 uh standalone complex 2045 so many people complained about it and i find that after like watching the first episode or whatever. I just got used to it and I was like, okay, that's what's going to look like and I'm just glad this exists. And it's the same with Blade Runner Black Lotus. I might also note that Jessica Henwick is now another actor or actress out there that has done multiple cyberpunk uh properties or technoir properties, whatever you want to call them. Uh because she's done both Blade Runner and The Matrix. Keanu Reeves has done cyberpunk <laughs> He's done Matrix. He's done Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, so I, I like when actors stay within a certain genre. And we see this a lot in the horror genre, right? So moving on to Jonathan Groff as Agent Smith. <laughs> it, it seemed really... Um, I, I was surprised he was cast as Agent Smith. When you look at his line of work, he's done voice acting for... The Disney films Frozen and Frozen 2. He's done the musical for Hamilton. Part of the Mindhunter TV series. He just seemed like he was an actor that 
wasn't normally from this genre and came in and but I mean it is what it is. I guess we could say the same about Neil Patrick Harris as the analyst because when I think of Neil Patrick Harris, I either think of How I Met Your Mother or Doogie Hauser. <laughs> and here he is in this. But he was also in Starship Troopers and Gone Girl and 8-Bit Christmas. I recently just mentioned that movie, so I thought, well, I'll bring that one up again. Um, I don't know. He, he He's not bad in this. He's definitely... Being someone that again came from with outside of the genre but again he's a he's a kind of part of that geek culture thing you know so i don't know jonathan groff was the one that i was just like that's a weird pull but i mean it is what it is and then we have uh returning characters from the original matrix series we have jada pinkett smith returning as niobe and lambert wilson returning as the merovingian both from earlier films, Matrix Reloaded and Matrix Revolutions. Jada Pinkett Smith was also in the video games. Uh, Enter the Matrix was one of them. I'm trying to remember if she was in The Path of Neo. I'm not 100% sure on that. She was in Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight, though. I'll never forget that. And she was a voice actor in Princess Mononoke, which is a great little anime flick. And Lambert Wilson, well, the only thing that was that stood out aside from him being in Reloaded and Revolutions was he was with Halle Berry and Catwoman. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> Christina Ricci as Gwyn Um Yeah, well, I mean, it, it made sense why she was in this, right? She's she worked with Lana Wachowski in Speed Racer. So, I mean, they, they have that history. She's been in a lot of shit. She was in Casper, Buffalo 66, both Adam's Family flicks, Adam's Family and Adam's Family Values, Blake Snake, uh, Black Snake Moan. I can I always say that backwards, whatever. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Cursed Afterlife with Liam Neeson and Justin Long. She's been in a lot of stuff. She's Christina Ricci. We know who she is. The runtime for this film is two hours and 28 minutes. Some people feel that's too long. I did not. Rated R for violence and language. Language. Budget was 190 mil, and the gross for the film as of last week, standing so far at 106 million. So, in Hollywood's eyes, failure. But was it really? Synopsis for this movie, pretty much Neo returns. There you go. There's your synopsis. No, um, <laughs> to find out if his reality is a physical or mental construct, Mr. Anderson, a.k.a. Neo, will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once more. If he's learned anything, it's that choice, while an illusion, is still the only way out of or into the Matrix. Neo already knows what he has to do, but what he doesn't know yet is that the Matrix is stronger, more secure, and far more dangerous than ever before. And for this segment, we're calling this, Would You Like Some Ice Cream? And you're like, what the fuck does he mean by that? Well, that's because the um, the name that they were using for the filming shoots. Like, you know, I, you know, how, like movies will have like that filming name. That's not the real name of the movie, but it's what they use. So it throws people off and the public off and whatnot. Anyways, this was known as project ice cream, which is, I thought that was interesting. I was like, ah, oh, that was weird, but I guess it would make sense. Nobody would suspect it. Now, how to describe this film. And the best way I can do this is this. If you can free your mind, you will love this. But if you're one of those casual fans who is not willing to just let it take you down the rabbit hole, odds are you're not going to like this. Um, and what I mean by that is go into this movie with no expectations. I commented on the show for several months, actually, how I was avoiding trailers, I was avoiding spoilers, I was even afraid to see movie posters for this thing. And the thing is, is that I know when I watched the first Matrix the first time, back in 1999, I had no clue what I was walking into. 
Now, I mean, after seeing it, I was like, okay, I see pulls from Ghost in the Shell in this. Which, let's keep in mind, a lot of this all happens because Ghost in the Shell in 1995 came out as a as a film feature. I know it was a manga before that, but it came out as a film feature. And the Wachowskis basically said, we want to do this live action. Now, I mean, they changed a lot, and there's a lot of differences between the two properties. But that was how they got their pull, because... Going into that original Matrix film, nobody wanted to take a chance on it. The Wachowskis had this whole idea. Obviously, some of it inspired from Ghost in the Shell, but there was also other cyberpunk properties they you know, were giving nods to and whatnot, but nobody wanted to take a chance on it. And then that film came out, and they went to the studios and said, See this? Dropped it in front of them and said, We want to do that live action, and that's why this all happened. So... The thing is, is that when I went into it, I had no clue in 1999 what I was walking into. And I walked out going, wow, that was fucking amazing. And 20 plus years later, I still watch those movies and see things I didn't see the time before. Now, I mean, not as often as back in the day because I've watched these movies a lot. But when they first came out, I mean, that was the cool thing about it. And I will say that with this film, it's a film you need to watch a couple times. The first time you're going to walk away from it going, hmm, how do I describe this one? The more you watch it, the more you catch things you didn't catch before, which in that regard, this is very much a Matrix movie. Now, you've heard me mention through the earlier credits portion of the episode, many names from the original live-action films did not return for this. And you look at names like Don Davis, Bill Pope, Joel Silver, Lily Wachowski did not return for this. It was Lana by herself this time. Uh, Hugo Weaving, you didn't hear that name. Lawrence Fishburne, you didn't hear that name. Uh, Yoon Wung-Ping, who was the fight choreographer for all the original films. He didn't return for this. They had a totally different choreographer this time around. But let's look at, first off, the case of Lily. Okay, Lily didn't return. Uh, Well, let's be honest. Originally, neither of the Wachowskis wanted to return for this. Warner Brothers has been on their ass for years now to do a Matrix sequel. Do a sequel to Revolutions. They didn't really want to do it. They were cool with the way it all ended. I mean, they had for... Between 2005 and 2009, there was The Matrix Online, which was a video game that furthered the story a little bit more. But in terms of the films, they were done. But then Warner Brothers started threatening, okay, we'll do it without you. Which, we have that joke in the movie. I mean, that's the thing. This movie is very aware of itself. and It's it's making a lot of digs at things that have happened over the course of the last 20 years with this franchise. But so, and let's also highlight, before I get into this, there's rumors that we've heard for years about this. Remember when Michael B. Jordan was supposed to be doing a Morpheus prequel, or Zach Penn was attached to write a screenplay, um, and was going to write a whole treatment for Matrix 4, and... You know, Keanu Reeves and Hugo Weaving for years both said they would be interested in returning, but that was only if the Wachowskis were involved. Now, the thing is, is that Lily did not come back. Um, and and basically, she was exhausted. Uh, in the past several years, uh, they filmed Cloud Atlas, Jupiter Ascending, and then they did the Sense8 TV series. And she, she was basically, and that was all back to back to back, by the way. She was basically exhausted. Also on top of that, I did mention earlier, they they came out as transgender. Well, she's finally moved on with her transition, you know, from male to female and whatnot. And not to mention, they lost both their parents. Both the Wachowskis lost their parents five weeks apart, I might add. So mentally, she just was not in that place. Now, Lana, Lana came up with this idea because sort of because her parents passed away because creating matrix resurrections was how she, she coped with it because of the familiarity of the characters. She needed something to occupy her mind and give her some familiarity because her whole world was changing. I mean, within the last five years came out as transgender and lost both her parents. I mean, and not to mention being busy, busy, busy with all these projects. She just needed something to bring her back down. 
This is why Matrix Resurrections exists. Now, whether or not we like it, I mean, yes, obviously it's important, but for her, there were bigger reasons for this movie to exist. Hugo Weaving did want to return. As I mentioned earlier, him and Keanu Reeves mentioned several times they would definitely be interested. The reason he didn't come back was scheduling conflicts, and that's the only reason. That is the only reason he he's filming. Uh, what is it? The visit? I think it was. He was he was filming at the same time, and he just could not work a schedule around the filming for the Matrix Resurrection. So unfortunately, they had to say, "Okay, we have to move on." And it, it was a mutual thing between the two of them. There was no anger or anything like that. Instead, though, we got Jonathan Groff. I will quickly just say, I would have rathered Hugo. But I'll talk about that more in a bit. Now, Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne was not asked to return. And a lot of people have been like, well, what the fuck? Why not? Like, let's keep in mind, Abdul Mateen II does a fucking great job with the role. So let's not take away from him. But the thing is, is that I mentioned The Matrix Online. Matrix Online is an, an MMORPG. Or for those of you who don't know what that means, massive multiplayer online role-playing game. It was in the world between the years of 2005 and 2009. It was a game that furthered the story of the Matrix franchise. They called it the continuing story, basically. And there is a mission, a part of the story, where Morpheus becomes impatient with the machines. Post-war, that is. uh, Because he's trying to retrieve the remains of Neo. And the machines are not cooperating, so he... He gets pissed off, and eventually there's a mission where he has to go and basically challenge the machines. Well, anyways, within that Matrix Online story, Morpheus was eventually killed. And a Morpheus simulacrum, I think, I can never say this word, simulation, basically. It's a simulated program, um, took his place. We now saw this in Matrix Resurrections. The thing is, is that Matrix Resurrections is a movie for the fans. So if you played that MMORPG game, you know exactly why we have another actor playing Morpheus and why he's in the in the position he's in. At one point, we see that Yahaya, fuck off, Paul. God damn it, stop trying to say his name. Abdul Mateen II. We see him as Agent Smith early on in the film. And then through Bugs, who's played by Jessica Henwick, we find out that this Smith is actually Morpheus and he's freed by Bugs so that they can go find Neo and free him. The thing is, is that that's why that happened and why he's a simulation because the real Morpheus in the game died. Let's also keep in mind that this movie takes place 60 years later. In the original Matrix, Morpheus was a middle-aged man. He was at least 40 years old, if not more. You add another 60 years on that, you're looking at a man who's a hundred years old or more. Odds are that even if he wasn't killed in the video world of the Matrix Online, he would have died in real life of old age. So it makes sense why Lawrence Fishburne was not asked to come back. I will say that this version of Morpheus that we got in this movie is actually one of the real big highlights of the film. Between him and Jessica Henwick, great additions. Great additions to the world. Um, So, moving on to Jonathan Groff. (sighs) He's the new Agent Smith. And I get it. Okay, if you can't get Hugo Weaving, then you can't get him. That's fine. But Jonathan Groff did not cut it for me. And to be quite honest, I kind of wish they would have let Abdul Mateen II stay as Agent Smith and have this twist in the movie where Morpheus was now the new Agent Smith. That actually would have been kind of fucking cool. I don't want to knock the actor. Jonathan Groff, you can tell, is trying. 
He really is, and there's some callbacks to the original trilogy and whatnot, and you can see that he's trying. He really is, and I don't want to take that away from him. It was a good effort on his part. The thing is, it doesn't work for me. Another thing that doesn't work for me is Christina Ricci. Mentioned that she would be in the this new Matrix universe, and my God, could you have underused her in any other way possible? I mean, it just... Best role they could give her was this businessman or businesswoman, I should say. Let's stay with, you know, her gender. Um, she's a businesswoman in this new Matrix construct, and she's on the screen for maybe a total of a minute. That kind of bothered me. I was like, come on, this is Christina Ricci, and you could have done a lot better. You could have given her a bit of a bigger role. That said, it's nice to see her that it's a nice nod to speed racer to bring her back in and whatnot. But again, under you. So as much as I like this film, there are things that I was not completely impressed with. And Jonathan Groff, as much as he's trying, just doesn't work for me. Neil Patrick Harris. <sighs> he's another one. Now I enjoy his portrayal. Actually, I love Neil Patrick Harris. I think he's a great actor. But it was all too obvious. And I mean, maybe that was the intention, but it was too obvious he's this gatekeeper meant to keep Neo in check. And the whole forced blue pills. I mean, like, they really forced the blue pill, red pill thing in this movie, which I, I... The thing is, is okay. Neil Patrick Harris, Christina Ricci, Jonathan Groff. I can't really blame them. It's not their fault. It comes down to the screenplay. It comes down to the story. Again, am I glad this movie exists? Yes. And I understand the reasons why Lana Wachowski did it. But at the same time, we didn't need... It wasn't needed. Um, so, again, Neil Patrick Harris, I like him as an actor. I, his character of the analyst is okay. I like the architect better. The architect we got in Reloaded and Revolutions, I liked him better, but that's just me. It's a personal opinion. As for the story, okay, so here's where I'm going to make some enemies now because everybody wanted visuals. Everybody wanted to see great big scenes with amazing fight sequences and something that would reinvent the wheel. How the fuck did you expect them to do that again? We've already had three movies, three video games, comic books, and a collection of anime shorts in a film... That also, I might add, is the second best film in the whole fucking thing. But anyways, all of that already reinvented the wheel as much as they can possibly do it. This Matrix movie was not meant to be visually awe-striking. It was not supposed to blow our minds with big visuals. That's the thing. Um, this one was a revisit to an old friend. It was a reflection of what was and a projection of what is and what is to become. It's the word meta gets thrown around a lot with this. It was supposed to be self-aware. It was supposed to take itself less seriously. That's the other thing, too, is a lot of those original films were very serious. The Animatrix was very serious. The comic books were very serious. This was kind of like, no, let's just breathe now. Let's have a reflection of what was, and let's just kind of have fun with it. And there's nods and callbacks to the original trilogy, and even to the comic books and the video games and, and the Animatrix. And, you know, Morpheus tried to prepare us for us. I've said it, I've already said it in this episode. I'll say it one last time. I won't say it again. Free your mind. Go into this with no expectations, and trust me, you will walk away from it appreciating its existence. This movie was made for the fans, and I love it for it. You know, being that guy, I nothing bothers me more. When people will talk about the Matrix films, and they call it the Matrix trilogy. No, there was four. Uh, the Animatrix is just as important as the three live-action films. As a matter of fact, Oh my god, Second Renaissance, Parts 1 and 2. Probably one of the greatest stories told in the Matrix universe. That gives us the whole history of why this even happens. Um, and I, I hate that people always ignore the Animatrix. But not only that, what I love about this film, I, I, I want to stick with the love here. I love that this movie was made for the fans. It wasn't made to be the average ticket sale. You know, it, yes... 
casual fans can enjoy this. They can walk away from this movie going, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I had fun with it. But I love that there's a lot of nods and love letters to the fans who have been with this from the beginning. And it's also why I say watch this movie a couple times before making any conclusions. I've already watched it three times. And each time I've caught things I didn't catch the time before. Uh, One thing that's definitely fun to catch in this film is all the glitches in the Matrix. Shit that happens, you know, behind the, like, in the windows, for example. You know, like, there's one scene where you see a window. And outside the window, there's, like, you know, it's like the city that they're in. And then the next time they go past that window again, there's mountains. And it's a glitch in the Matrix. And there's uh, there's a Tom Hardy cameo, <laughs> which was there because they were filming the Venom film, Let There Be Carnage. That was filming at the same time as this. He happened to be there. So there's a glitch in the Matrix with a Tom Hardy cameo that he's uncredited for. And I mean, there's a lot of cool stuff. It's a big movie to digest. Really, it is. And I know two hours and 28 minutes, people are like, it's too long. They said the same thing about Blade Runner 2049, and no, it's not too fucking long. As a matter of fact, that movie could have been another 15 minutes longer, and I still would have loved it. The thing that I love about this movie, though, it's a film that's not meant to be taken seriously. Again, go in without expectations and walk away from it taking it for what it is. I mean, come on. We have a character in this movie named Bugs after the bunny. That's where they got it. It's a Warner Brothers movie. Bugs even makes the line, what's up, Doc, in this fucking movie. Like, come on. Can you not see the writing on the wall? I don't understand why people are taking this so hard. It's not a dick, so stop acting like you just got fucked. Like, it's just a Matrix movie that I guess people expected it. Like I said, they expected it to reinvent the wheel. It wasn't going to do that. And let's talk about that. The fight scenes. Okay, so I'm just going to put this out there. Is it me or is it kind of ironic that the same people who rave about Marvel fight scenes, every Marvel movie that comes out, it's like, oh my God, that was amazing. Greatest fight scenes ever. Have you actually ever paid attention to a Marvel fight scene? They're edited with so many cuts and shots that it's dizzying. I mean, just... Sometimes just one scene with Black Widow doing a 10-minute twirl, a 10-second twirl kick has like eight edits in it. It's like, what the fuck just happened? (laughs) Like, and I get it. It's because, you know, I mean, Scarlett Johansson, as much as she probably could do her own stunts, isn't going to do her own stunts. So we've got to manipulate the eyes. I get it. But the thing is, is that I saw so many complaints from reviewers and whatnot that are the same people that go on about how the Marvel movies are so great. It's like, okay, I'm not taking, I'm not, by the way, I'm not knocking Marvel films. What I'm saying is, is why are the same people that rave about those complaining about this? Like, yes, the fight scenes are different, but the fight scenes were not the focus for this film. And I think that's where somewhere along the line, maybe it should have been better promoted that way. But again, I I think, I think the thing is, is that with the matrix films, you can only do visuals so many times. And not to mention, we live in a world now that has Lord of the Rings. We have, uh, these star Wars series that are coming out that are just doing mind blowing things and whatnot. It's hard to reinvent the wheel these days. You know what I mean? So matrix had its time to do that. I think this, this was, this was something else. And, Here's a theme I I will talk about that the film was focusing on, the romance. That's something that I think a lot of people also, maybe they weren't ready for there to be such a highlight on that. I don't know, but they really do highlight the Neo-Trinity connection. Um, The Matrix films have always been about philosophy, belief structures, change, freeing the mind of limitations and restrictions, you know, but... And it's funny how, you know, some people when they watch this movie forgot to, you know, take those mental approaches when watching this film. But anyways, the thing is, is that the romance was something I think they really wanted to focus on this time. Showing the link between Neo and Trinity. That's something that really gets highlighted in this film. And so it was less about visuals, more about story this time. Where in in the past... 
the visuals were what made up for the story because I know a lot of people didn't care for Reloaded and Revolutions, especially Revolutions, but they liked the visuals. I get this movie is not for everyone. Uh, and I absolutely, I should also say, I can accept that, you know, people, many people are going to have different viewpoints when approaching, you know, their their opinions on this film. There is a difference between criticism and hate, though. And I will say, you know, when people who haven't even seen the film are going on and on about how this movie shouldn't exist, or it's another Last Jedi, or it's all about the wokeism shit, because everybody loves that favorite word of theirs, woke. We're all about being woke. No, this movie had none of that. As much as you might want to think it did because some YouTube bubblehead told you it did, whatever. I guess you didn't get the point of the original films either because the original films were all about freeing your mind. And yeah, I don't want to slag on others though. I mean, the whole point of this review was to give my opinion on the film, to put out some love out there, to explain why certain things happened. Um, You know, nowadays we we live in a world where anybody can call themselves a movie expert. I try to avoid saying that because I'm really not an expert. I'm just a guy who really loves movies. And when it came to Matrix Resurrections, I'm not going to lie. I was hyped as fuck for it. When it was done, I was like, "Mm, I need to digest this. The more I've digested it over the past two weeks now, I've found that I walked away from it going... I'm really glad this exists. It will be a physical copy when released. I will buy it for sure. Would I say it's better than the original films? Well, here's the thing. IMDb has this movie currently listed at a 5.7 out of 10. I kind of think that's a robbery. <laughs> I think that, I don't think it's... It, 5.7 on IMDb is still a good rating considering how many people love to downrate movies, but it should be a bit higher. I think Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic are a little bit more closer. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, 65%. Metacritic at 64%. I, that I can I can agree with a little bit more. The podcast, zero reading. Rating? Reading. Reading. Read a lot. Um I'm not going to say I'm a huge fan of the movie, but I will say, like I said many times already, I'm glad it exists. I do like this movie. If anything, for the actors. It was definitely nice seeing Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss back together. It was nice to have Neo, a.k.a. John Wick, (laughs) because of the hairdo. Everyone's like, why didn't he cut his hair? Well, in the real world, he has a shaved head again, so it is what it is, but... Um, you know, seeing Neo and Trinity together again, or Thomas Anderson and Tiffany, however you want to look at them. Um, it was nice to have them back together again. Jessica Henwick and Yahya Abdul Mateen II. I think I said his name right for once. Probably didn't, but hey, whatever. They're an absolute joy to watch. And as I said earlier, I'll repeat it one more time. I'm looking forward to any projects they have coming because... I have yet to be disappointed by either of those actors. Did we need this film? Nope. But do I appreciate it? Yes. My point is, it's not a waste of time. It's not a dumpster fire. I know a lot of people are putting that out there. It's not. It's another movie in a saga that has spanned across the silver screen, comic books, video games, and anime film shorts. And all of it has followed one simple rule. I'm going to say it one last time. Free your mind. For me personally, it's seven red pills out of ten or seven white rabbits out of ten. You take your pick. Yeah, there's a lot of Alice in Wonderland references in the film as well. Including the trailer, which used the song White Rabbit by Jefferson Airplane. Just how I'm closing out this episode, by the way. Just so you know, you're warned. But yeah, this movie is not bad. It maybe, like I said, I'm glad it exists. It's out there. It's it's something. If I ever have a day when I just want to blow it on, you know, Matrix movies. There's a fourth one I can pick, live action. Fifth one total, if I want to. But I usually go to. One in Animatrix. And those are the two I watch more than anything else. But yeah, this movie does not deserve the hate it's getting. That's all I will say. 
And on that note, thank you for returning and listening to this episode. I hope you guys had a good time. I hope, uh, I know I stumble on my words a lot and I babble a lot, but I, like I said, this is for entertainment reasons, which, you know what? Approach Matrix Resurrections that way. It's for entertainment. It's just mind fodder. I mean, all these movies, that's what they're there for, right? They're there to entertain, and that's all it is. And Again, I don't understand why. I guess, I mean, the thing is, is yeah, it, it's nice to put an opinion out there that's happy and gleeful. I guess the same counter, you know, you can put your opinion out there that you didn't like something, but... I, I, I even said to one person, I said, well, one thing that I've learned about Matrix Resurrections, it's not a movie for everyone. And I think that's the best way to approach this. It's not going to be for everyone. But for those of us who like it, let us like it. Stop telling us we're wrong. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for turning. Thank you for listening. I will announce the next episode in a second. I do want to say, though, that you can find the show... On all the major podcast streaming outlets, whether it be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Player FM, Podbean, Audible, the list goes on. You know you can find the show on any of those. I've noticed subscribers on quite a lot of them. So, hey, whoever keeps returning, thank you. You guys are awesome. I love you guys so much. Uh, Feel free to let me know you're one of them. I know some of you already, but hey, I mean, just... Shoot me an email at whatlurksbehindpodcastzero at gmail.com. I know I always forget to mention the email on this show. Um, social media, if you want to do it that way. On Facebook, facebook.com slash whatlurksbehindpodcastzero. On Instagram, at whatlurksbehindpodcastzero. I know I've been really quiet on, um, what is it, Instagram and Twitter. I've been really quiet on those. I kind of took myself away from social media for the holidays just so... You know, I could better enjoy things and whatnot, not be so frustrated. Twitter at WLB Podcast Zero. Next episode. Next episode, we're returning to the world of horror, but we're going to do this anime style. Uh, I've been on a huge anime kick for the last week, I'd say. And I thought, you know what? There's a movie that came out in 2000 that blew my mind back then. And I, I've always had this passion with this film. I thought, you know what? It'd be a nice little film to talk about. Kind of going from Matrix, which was inspired by an anime. Now we're going to jump into an anime that also spawned a live-action version of itself as well. From 2000, we'll be returning... Or not returning, but we'll be going to military bases with school kids and vampires and vampire slayers. Yes, the Japanese anime hit film blood the last vampire it spawned a whole fucking there's two series uh two anime series there's it's based on a manga and has a live action adaptation which i'll talk more about next episode but it's not as bad as some people would have you think um yeah so next episode blood the last vampire gonna close out with jefferson airplane like i said i would because I feel I should. I feel it just fits. Um, free your mind. I, I know, I, I've said that a lot this episode, and it's like, probably people now are like, okay, we get the fucking point. Okay, you believe everything Morpheus says to you. No, I don't, but he's not speaking to me. He's speaking to Neo. I know I talk a lot of stupid shit at the end of my episodes. I should just shut the fuck up, right? You need to shut the fuck up. Hey, lick my plate, you dog dick!
chasing rabbits And you know you're going to fall Tell them our hookah Smoking caterpillar Has given you 